Welcome to Curaleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. You guys, you lucky guys, we're back. Blue White Breakdown podcast time. Johnny McGonigal and myself, Bob Flounders, here to talk. How are you doing? I know I was away last week. I know there's some recruiting news uh, we need to get to. I want to t- just touch briefly on what's happening at Northwestern. Then uh, to close it out, Johnny, let's talk about some things Penn State football-wise uh, as, as we get closer and closer uh, to the start of August camp. But how are you doing? What's new on the recruiting trail? I'm good, Bob. Yeah, you missed uh, you missed the commit um, when, when you were away with Penn State, uh, getting four-star Monsignor Bonner, uh, defensive and Malachi Williams, uh, a big addition uh, for their class. If you want me to just go into it right now with Malachi, might as well, right? Like that's yeah, the, this, is this a is this a Dion Barnes uh, influence here, or or is it is it is it just all of Penn State, or is this a, a, a big one for Dion? Yeah, it's a big one for Dion. I mean, Penn State they were on him uh, pretty early. They were the first Power Five school to offer him back in January. So uh, before Dion ended up, you know, getting elevated to defensive line coach at Penn State. But uh, as a Philly native, both Dion and Malachi, even though he plays, uh, you know, for Monsignor Bonner out in Drexel Hill outside Philly, he's from Philly. So Dion had had some sway in this for sure, and uh, it's a big one for him. It's a big one for Penn State. Not just because he's, I mean, a part of this is because he's a Philly area guy. And that is an area that we've talked about. You know, Ohio State goes in there. Georgia goes in there. Uh, some, some obviously some competitors on the recruiting trail uh, have done a good job in Philadelphia uh, over the years, plucking some of the top talent. But this is, you know, the Philly and, and Philly surrounding area is one that Penn State has recommitted to over the last few years. You know, they've put Terry Smith in there who, uh, is a Pittsburgh guy, but, you know, was a former assistant at Temple, knows the area well. Uh, Dion Barnes's ties, uh, you know, being a Northeast high school grad helps a lot as well. Um, but look, they they now have three Philly guys in this 2024 recruiting class with Malachi Williams in there now. Uh, four-star wide receiver Ty Sear Denmark uh, from Roman Catholic, flipping him from Oregon. And they've also got Kenny Wosley, the corner from Imhotep. Uh, who I've talked before, I think is, you know, maybe flying under the radar here, even, even as a four-star uh, talent in this class. And so uh, it's big from a Philly perspective, big from a keep your, you know, keep the best, you know, talent in state home uh, standpoint. They've not, they've gotten eight uh, Pennsylvania guys now in this 2024 class that has 21 members. Uh, so that's a pretty good ratio there. You know, they, they've gone out, they've plucked some Top guys from Wisconsin, Florida, you know, Josiah Brown being the top player from New York and uh, Michigan even uh, with uh, with Kari. But you look at the, the job that James Franklin and his staff have done uh, within the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, it's not stunning, but it's also just one of those things that it's good to see uh, that they're keeping the, some of that top talent home. Yeah, I know that Penn State is not done. James Franklin never sleeps anymore. I think he and his staff 
uh, have been uh, their ability to adjust on the fly, their ability to evaluate talent early, offer early, and, and get it right. Because you see the kids often go up uh, uh, in the recruiting rankings not long after they commit to Penn State. Just very impressive. It's it's clear, Johnny. Right? I mean, he's always been. He came to Penn State viewed as a recruiter, and he had some success at Penn State early. Uh, in his time, but it is, it is definitely ramped up. Recruiting is definitely a different world with NIL and with, you know, staff starting to expand and uh, rule changes, stuff like that, the transfer portal. It, it's become so much more challenging. And yet it feels like James, uh, maybe not right away, but he is, he's really kind of got, got a really good plan process in place. Um, and, and it helps when you go 11 and two and win the Rose Bowl. But also, I just think that. The last two or three years coming out of the pandemic, he's. I think he could make the case he's done his finest work, and I think it's only going to get better. Yeah, and and on Malachi specifically too. Um, one other point I wanted to note is Penn State came into June and, and really into the summer wanting to address wide receiver and address the defensive line. They've done it at wide receiver with uh, Tysir Denmark, with P- Peter Gonzalez from Central Catholic, and Josiah Brown uh, from New York, who I mentioned. Defensive line was a position that they needed to to hit on in June and now into July, and they've done that. Xavier Gilliam uh, committing early in June. They got DeAndre Cook a couple weeks ago, and now Malachi in the fold. And they're still going after uh, defensive linemen. Uh, Liam Andrews from up in Massachusetts is a four-star two-way player that uh, they would love to have. A lot of schools would love to have. Uh, Jalen Harvey is one. Uh, that he had originally a July 4th commit date, and it looked like Penn State was the play there, uh, but he has since rescheduled that. So uh, he's a Maryland native. The Turks might be trying to get to him. Uh, we'll see how that pans out. A couple of other guys on the radar uh, as well. But, um, yeah, they've done a good job addressing those two positions over the last month plus, and uh, I still think more guys to come to. Uh, and then just a quick note, too. I mentioned Peter Gonzalez from Central Catholic. Uh, Bob, I'm here and I'm actually here in Pittsburgh uh, as we record this. You're so lucky. I, I love that city. I mean, I'm jealous, but I mean, good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I came back just to, you know, I, you know, have some stray belongings in my apartment that I need to still grab. And you're moving. That's right. Do the, the, the fans know you're moving from the you're, you're moving from the western part of the state to the pretty far east back to your roots in the Philadelphia area. Correct. I am. Yes. Yeah. So that, that move will be. Uh, in the coming weeks here. But uh, yeah, I just want to come back to Pittsburgh, see some friends and all that. And and while I'm here, I, you know, I, my buddies, you know, my, I lived in Shadyside, which is a four minute drive to Central Catholic High School. So I'm like, I, I kind of wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't pop by Central uh, and, and talk to Peter Gonzalez and talk to Anthony Speck as well, a four star linebacker. Uh, who's committed to Penn State's class, one of the earliest commits in their class. And so talk to both of them. I uh, have a story, depending on when you're coming, uh, when when you're listening to this uh, story coming on Gonzalez on Wednesday and then Specca on Thursday. So uh, be be aware uh, of that, uh, Penn Live readers and listeners. And, uh, and yeah, some good stuff from those two. Good looking out. Pittsburgh Central Catholic, I thought I saw something on Twitter. It's It's kind of an aside, but I think Penn State fans will find it interesting. They have something like 120 kids out for like football, nine through 12 or something like that. There was video like that is that is a big number in this day and age. I don't know if it's accurate, but you were out there. I don't know if you heard anything about it, but they have a, they have a huge turnout this year. Do they not or no? Yeah, I mean, I was there for the tail end of a, like a two and a half, three hour workout that they had at, at the high school today. 
And it's crazy. Um, and, and they've got other guys too on that team. You know, Cole Sullivan is a linebacker who's committed to Michigan in the 24 class. I wouldn't be surprised if they've got guys, you know, 2026 and 2027 guys, you know, in the pipeline. That's just, just what Central Catholic does. And uh, a lot of Whippeal talent. You know, we talked about what Penn State has in this 24 class already. And uh, Quentin Martin from Bell Vernon. And yeah, it's an area that produces and produces for Penn State specifically. Yeah. Good luck messing with Central Catholic the next couple of years. Whippeal teams. It sounds like they are stockpiling assets and churning them out at a very high level. So that'll be a lot of fun trying to knock heads uh, with those guys. We'll move We'll move along. Really unfortunate situation, sad situation out uh, you know, in Big Ten country. Northwestern made a change. Pat Fitzgerald is out. Alleged hazing allegations, very serious allegations. I think that they, they, they were originally going to suspend him for two weeks, I believe. And then on Monday, a couple of days later, uh, the president stepped in and, and, and dismissed Pat. I think there's going to be some legal stuff that they're going to need to sort through. But just a very unfortunate situation. If, you know, you feel for anyone that might have been infect, uh, impacted. It sounds, the more I hear about it, Johnny, it sounds like it's been going on for a long, long time, even possibly before Fitz was the head coach. So if, if you're a Northwestern fan and you're listening to this podcast, hang in there and hopefully hopefully some some good, good times will be ahead. Johnny, Penn State's going to play them September 30th in Evanston. Penn State was a pretty big favorite before uh, this news broke, but they, they're going to—they're in the market for a new head coach, some other things, and uh, obviously you would have to think the transfer portal situation is going to come into play, pretty hot and heavy regarding Northwestern. Unfortunate situation, though. You know, Pat Fitzgerald. You know, news is still coming out. Um, one of the great linebackers in, in modern day, you know, Big Ten history. That 95 Northwestern team, he's associated with that. Uh, he did some really good things at North, Northwestern as a head coach, but just an awful look for Northwestern, an awful look for him, and we're just going to have to wait to see how things play out. Yeah, really awful situation. And, um, you know, without hashing out a lot of the details on this podcast, uh, if any of the any of the listeners, ha- you know, want to know more, I, I would recommend going and reading the Daily Northwestern, the student paper there, and a lot of the – a lot of the reporting, a lot of the forward work on this support student journalism. Uh, it's uh, it, it's really it's really chilling stuff, uh, to be frank, and uh, not what you want to see uh, in college athletics whatsoever um, on on a broad scale. On a more you know micro scale, looking at the Big Ten, yeah, like you mentioned, Penn State plays Northwestern in Evanston on September 30th. They'll have a new head coach. Yeah, Big Ten Media Day is coming up uh, for us. You know, we'll be there. Uh, in a couple of weeks now, Bob. And so I'm sure this issue is that this, uh, the situation is not just going to be, you know, brushed under the rug. It's going to be addressed uh, in some form or fashion out in Indianapolis. So uh, we'll stay tuned on that, I, I suppose. But yeah, the initial reporting here, the initial stuff is not great uh, for Pat Fitzgerald or for Northwestern football overall. And uh, yeah, we'll just be keeping an eye on that as it unfolds. But I think James Franklin is now uh, obviously not the situation that you want it to happen or have this you know come about, but he's now the second longest tenured coach in the Big Ten behind uh, Kirk Ferentz. Yeah, not great, but um, something to something to just keep an eye on. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different. And we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth.
Johnny, let's turn our attention to this 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 2023 Penn State football team and uh, what might lie in store. You know, I think I think the hopes are high. I think inside the program, outside the program, they're learn they're going to learn more in August, especially when they get a look at some other players that didn't go in spring, whether they were freshmen that didn't enroll early, whether they were transfer portal guys like uh, Dante Cephas, but it's a good looking talent base. Uh, Before I get to some things I have for you though, I want you to just think about this in the back of your head because at the very end of the podcast, I have my question answered. I want to, I'm going to ask you this question and I want you, so you have a couple minutes to think about it while I throw some other stuff at you, but just think about who you think is the most talented player on this Penn State team that no one really knows about. So you could go in a lot of directions, and the, the, the criteria are essentially uh, flying way, way under the radar. It could be a year where this player plays a significant role, could play a huge role, couldn't play a not very uh, big role, but the talent is there. So that's that was kind of my criteria. I, I whittled my list down to a couple, and I finally arrived at my candidate. Um, so in the next couple of minutes, I'm going to ask you for maybe who your pick is. But I wanted to flip it the other way and talk about some guys that maybe in August or maybe early in the season, are you in or are you out on these players? And for whatever reason, um, these players are not young, not necessarily young players, but these are players that I think are talented. But sometimes you look at the depth chart, Johnny, and you're like, I'm not really sure how this guy's going to play at Penn State. So anyway. Two guys for you, uh, in or out this year, could you make a case for them seeing the field? I'm going to start with the offensive line. Nick Dawkins is one upperclassman. J.B. Nelson is another. I think at one point in time, I think there were some pretty grand plans for maybe both these players, and they still might actually, it still might work out. You know what I mean? You just never know when your opportunity is going to come at Penn State. But what, what would you say right now about those two players? In terms of seeing the field, in terms of having a role on this team, I would lean more in on Nick Dawkins uh, than JB Nelson, and and here's why: because if there is, I, I feel like I feel like on the offensive line, you've got a pretty veteran core there. Olu obviously a left tackle uh, on the interior. Uh, you've got Landon Tengwall and and Sal Wormley at guard, and Hunter Norzad as the projected center. But if either Tangwall or Wormley pick up an injury, have to miss time, I think the natural thing would be to bump Hunter out to guard, a spot that that he played a lot last year. And if they again, if if they have the faith in Nick Dawkins, to so then put him at center, uh, I think that would be a natural progression for this offensive line. Again, we're sitting here in uh, July before an August training camp, so we have to couch all of all of what we're going to say, knowing that. But that's why I would lean Nick Dawkins in this situation. I just think there is a clear path um, for him to play because I think if if they do lose one of those two guards in any form or fashion, whether it's for five snaps or five games, uh, I think it's a more viable way to keep uh, continuity on the offensive line. Well, maybe not a continuity because you know center is, is, is a difference, but uh, I just think with Hunter's experience, uh, I think that would be uh, that could be a move. Don't you forget about Venga Ione, young man. I have been singing this guy's praises. I do agree with you about Nick Dawkins. I've heard he is a just a one of the strongest players on the team. I, I can remember whether it's late in games or in, or in the uh, blue white blue white game two years ago. His power is impressive, but you only you only get to see him you know late in games against you know when the cause is lost. Maybe not necessarily going against 
top competition, but he's physically, he's a powerful guy. As far as Nelson, I think that you're right. If I had to prioritize it, but I wanted to bring those two up just because whenever I think of guys that in or out and like, I, I would have never, I can't say that like a year or two ago, I could ever have seen Bryce Efner playing at Penn state. And not only did he play, I think he played pretty well, not only in 2022 when he was called upon, but also I think he had to play some a little bit in 2021. So that's my point is that, um, even though they might be buried on the depth chart now, they're, they're, it, it only takes one or two things to happen. Uh, and the next thing you know, you're, you're in the spotlight going against a pretty good defensive line. So those are two I wanted to get for you on the offensive line, Johnny. Now two on the defensive line. I think I know where you're going to go here, and I really like one of these players. Keziah Izzard is one. Uh, the other one is Smith Bilber. Two different, two completely different players, maybe two completely different situations, but in or out on those two guys, whether it's in August making a move or finding a way to to, to find some some kind of piece in the in the defensive line rotation. Yeah, I think you probably would lean the same way. I would go with Keziah Izzard here, and I say that because the opportunity at defensive tackle, it's you know you have Hakeem Beeman who has played a lot of ball for you. Um, you know, Devon Elise and then Izzard and Zane Durant are your top four. Alonzo coming in, transferring from Old Dominion. I don't, I don't see him cracking that four uh, this year, at least. There's, there's a clear path to playing time for Kaziah Izzard. And when he played last year, I thought he did play pretty well, obviously missing time uh, early in the season. On the flip side, on at defensive end, I, I don't know. We've talked how much we, we like Amin Vanover and, and he's their fourth guy at defensive end because you've got Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, Deny Dennis Sutton. I even think Zariah Fisher, uh, you know, him coming back early from that injury last year, getting some playing time towards the tail end of the season was promising for him. If Smith Vilbert decides that every game is the is the Outback Bowl, then sure. Then, then, then <laughs> the maybe. first half of the Outback Bowl, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, look again. It's it's not we're not coming down on anyone, at the, but it. But but it's like he he has so much to prove and he has so many talented players ahead of him uh, that I think the defensive end position is it's going to be so difficult to pry away snaps from that top four uh, and and that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, regarding Kaziah Izzard, I was surprised. I think I read some stuff from you. I think from a pure disruption, pure physical standpoint, I kind of thought that Izzard was maybe a little bit further along than he was, and I always felt like. When you watch him at the line of scrimmage, he's giving people a lot harder. He's he's causing more problems, I think, than Devon Ellis did. Maybe Devon Ellis was nursing something last year, but when I say uh, my in or out on Izzard, it's it's is is he going to be the starter? I think he might be the starter if if everything you know he's he's certainly big enough. I know Ellis is a good player too. They both played a lot of football at Penn State, but if you want to talk about upside, I think Izzard's got another level he can get to. And I'm not sure you don't – I think with Ellie's, you're always going to know what you have in him because Manny Diaz is a disruptive guy. I think the more disruptive player might be Izzard. Yeah, and I also think it kind of depends on what team you're facing uh, because, you know, you look at the the weight gains over the winter uh, and the summer, the, the roster reflects, uh, you know, in, in terms of the roster right now. I saw Hakeem Beeman. It says he's up to 284. Is that a true 284? How much is he going to be able to hold that? Uh, you know, Ellie's is up to 302, Izzard 294. 
and Zane Durant, 280. So you've got some different looks in there. I mean, if you're going up against a Michigan or an Iowa that wants to cram it down your throat, you know, Ellie's and Izzard could be out there together. I think it's going to be pretty situational in terms of who starts or maybe even just who plays the most snaps at defensive tackle for them this year. Um, it also depends on if these guys stay healthy throughout August and all that. Uh, but I think you're right. I think Izzard has a has a pretty has a decent path uh, to being a starter, at least playing starter level snaps um, for this team this fall. Whereas Smith Vilbert, I don't I don't think is going to be you know really close to that. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, one more before I get your thoughts on the best player, the most talented player on the Penn State roster that no one's really talking about. I'll, I'm gonna I'll, I'll posit it to you this way, Johnny. Every time I look at the Penn State wide receiver room. Whether they're getting off the bus before a game, whether they're going through pregame warmups, whether we're up there for a practice availability. In terms of like guys that are just slapped together, Malik Mega is a guy that I'm like, I saw him in 2021. He had a long catch and run touchdown against Rutgers late in the year, but that was kind of, that was his Irv Charles moment. And I think you know what I mean by that. Penn State fans know what I mean by that. Irv Charles was a, physically gifted player at Penn State that made one big play for them against Minnesota in 2016 that turned that game around. But we never really heard from him again. And every every situation is different. I think Malik Mega is a guy that will help him help them on special teams. But, you know, if they're going to play five receivers, and you know, I, get, I get the fact that the fifth guy is not going to play a lot, is Malik Mega just going to be a special teams guy? Or is he a guy that's ever they're ever going to trust, you know, you know, maybe in the second half of a game when they need a big play to be made. You're, so you're not giving me a second guy to, to go up against them. You're just, you can, you can absolutely, this is the beauty of this segment, but I just wanted to focus on him because, you know, there's some guys that are younger or some guys that have just stepped on campus, but this guy has been at Penn state for a while from Canada and he looks like he should be a, a matchup nightmare, but it just, it just hasn't happened. You know, usually if you're a receiver after the first or second year, you know, right? And it's, it's I think it might be his fourth year at, at Penn State. So I just was curious your thoughts on him. I think that you probably might align with me because I just, I just, I just wonder. He, he could definitely run. He definitely has size. He's definitely hard to bring down. But something is is just not clicking. Yeah, with Malik Mega, I'm I'm out until I'm in. Uh, that makes sense. And again, you kind of look at the receiver room. They they felt the need to go into the transfer portal and get Dante Sivas and Malik McLean. And they were after other guys too. You know, they were trying to bring in even a couple more and you've got Keandre Lambert Smith coming back. Harrison Wallace, a third uh, spoiler alert may or may not be my, uh, my, my choice uh, for later, but I think he has a load of talent. Um, Amari Evans flashed, you know, Caden Saunders could take a step up. I just think this this training camp is really big for Malik Mega if he wants to be more than just a special teams player because he's been good in that role. But again, like that's not why you come to Penn State if you're, you're a high school prospect. You don't come to you don't come to a big program like that hoping to just be a special teams player. So uh, he has he has the build. He has in a vacuum what you would want from a wide receiver. It's just a matter of putting them together and, and having a consistent camp. And if he's able to do that and grow into the season as it goes. We've talked about how Penn State has a pretty soft opening schedule. At least I think they do. Could you know, provide an opportunity for a guy to grow into the season as September and October rolls in. Uh, maybe he's able to do that, but I'm out until I'm in on Malik Mega. 
Fair, John. Fair. All right. Before we before we uh, before we get out of here, I want to get back to what I talked to you about. If you had to pick one player, and it doesn't matter uh, where he is on the depth chart, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming this player is not going to be a 50 year player, but the most who's the most physically gifted player in your mind right now? You can we can change our minds, you know, late in the fall. F- most physically gifted player on the Penn State roster right now that no one's really talking about or no one even knows about. It could be either one. Yeah, I just think I think Trey Wallace has what you want in a game-breaking receiver. Seen flashes of it, you know, that deep ball at Michigan last year. And, and so I think he has – I think he has the talent. I think he has the speed. Uh, he's shown the ball tracking ability. Uh, and Drew Aller has as big as an arm as they come for, a, what, a 19-year-old. So if and when and, – and they're going to have to at some point unleash that arm – Maybe early in the season, they'll be able to run the ball 50 times, get in, get out with wins. But I think if you're going to want to beat Ohio State and beat Michigan, you're going to have to let Drew Aller cook. I think a guy who could provide that you could be on the receiving end of some of those deep balls would be Harrison Wallace. And uh, so I think he can really be if he puts it together, I think he can be a real matchup nightmare uh, for secondaries, for defenses, especially if you have Theo Johnson going over the middle and you've got Dante Cephas working out of the slot potentially with uh, you know, Keandre Lambert Smith, we've talked before about his, uh, you know, catch and run ability. Um, and so if Harrison Wallace gets some one on one matchups, especially if you have Nick Singleton, Katron Allen in the run game, I think he can make defenses pay. And I'm looking forward to seeing if he if he can, you know, back up how I'm hyping him up right now, uh, because I do think he has the talent uh, to be that kind of guy. Yeah, I do like him a lot. Uh, I think we haven't clearly haven't seen the best of him. I like Omari Evans a lot, too. I think it's going to be a pretty fascinating August between, uh, you know, Keandre, uh, Harrison, Omari, Dante. I mean, if all four of those guys progress, the talent's already there, right? So this this wide receiver room can get good. And all right, my answer, my, my, the answer to that question for me, though, is I'm going deep. I am going deep. I guarantee you, if you ask anyone else on the Penn State beat, no one would give the answer that I'm going to give right now. I'm going to go to the safety room, and I'm going to tell you it's Makai Flowers, the kid from Harrisburg. Began his career at Steel High, finished it at CD East, played receiver and defensive back at the prep level, probably better known as the receiver. This kid was not scared once he went up in class, played for CD East, played against some good teams. And he was a high four-star recruit in that, in that recruiting class. He's, at, he's up to almost 200 pounds now. Um, I think he's gained almost 20 pounds since he got on campus. I talked to him. He was not really ready physically last year, and, and he admitted that. He looks, he looks a lot different. Now, I know, even though they lost Jair Brown, it's a crowded room at safety to make an impact. And if you're going to talk about young safeties, everyone's, everyone, and rightfully so, wants to talk about uh, K.J. Winston, Kevin Winston, and I think he could have a huge year. I think Keaton Ellis is going to play a lot. Uh, Zaki Wheatley is a guy that it is his, he might be the best ball hawk of all the safeties. And I think he's shown that when he played last year, Jalen Reed's another guy they like Jalen Reed has had trouble, I think, staying healthy at Penn state, but I think he is definitely a guy that in run support will make his presence felt. I will say this and Makai flowers gets a chance to crack the, uh, the top four at safety, whether it's injury or anything else. I think physically, uh, he has the skills to be a really an impact player. It might not be this year. It probably will be on special teams. And I know they have two or three young safeties that are in their first year. I just think this kid is a really talented kid. And once he got over the physical hurdles last year, 
James Franklin actually alluded to it at the blue white game when he, he was asked about how they stacked all the players on the blues on the blue side and not on the white side. He said, I kind of disagree with that. If you look, uh, Jalen Reed didn't play in that game. We had two good safeties on the blue team. We had two good safeties on the white team. Winston and, and uh, Flowers were the safeties on the white team, and he had a big game. So I just think he's a guy that no one really knows about him right now. But I, if he ever gets a chance, I think that he will really be a good player at Penn State. Yeah, I can see that. It's just a, yeah, it's a matter of you know fighting his way through a, a lot of guys, um, and but he certainly has the talent to do it, and uh, that's what that's what August training camp is for, Bob. We're, we're going to be there soon enough, too. I mean, we're less than a month away. Uh, from I'm assuming you know Penn State Media Day and in, in State College and and the start of camp, so it's going to be an opportunity for guys like Flowers and and Harrison Wallace and, and all these players, Malik Meg, all these players we talked about today to to really make their mark. Johnny, real quick, don't forget Saturday up in State College with the with the spikes, uh, Sean Clifford bobblehead day. That's my birthday, Bob. I'm going to be I'm going to be celebrating my birthday down in Seattle City, New Jersey. I will not. Be. I didn't know. I didn't know if you were going to pass through or you just wanted to get. There's a couple different bobbleheads they're going to give out, but it is Sean for the fans. It is Sean Clifford Bobblehead Day up in State College for the uh, for the State. Co- I think it's the Spikes State College Spikes, but uh, I'm sure Sean will be there. So get a, maybe one of your last chances to catch him because he's going to be in Green Bay. Uh, for the foreseeable future. So just check that out and also check out all our stuff on Penn Live, Johnny's recruiting stuff. Look uh, he look ahead to a couple of his stories that he uh, he talked about recruiting-wise earlier in the week. We're, uh, even though it's, it seems like it's slow, it's never played football. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live.